if you would stand with us, we'll be turning to the book of Genesis chapter number 22. Amen. We're a quiet bunch tonight, but that's all right. I believe God's got something to talk to us about. I know he spoke to me. I know he stirred me. He's helped me. I'm just expecting God to move. Amen. You know, I saw something a while back when gas prices were high. Somebody said it's gas is too high to waste money going to a dead church. Amen. <laughs> gas prices are too high to waste gas going to a dead church. Hallelujah. I can say I don't have that problem. Amen. Every time we gather, every time we come into this house, there's an expectation. You never know what God's going to do. And that's what I love about it. You know, you invite somebody and, you know, we invited people and they say, when are we going to have a normal service? What's a normal service? What is that? You know, <laughs> I mean, you never know if pastor's going to preach, if the Holy Ghost is going to move, people are going to get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. But that's what it's supposed to be, amen? It's a living body. It's not a form. It's not something you could put down on a piece of paper. It's not something, you, you know, they didn't have it written down in a manual when the disciples tore the roof off and lowered down the sick man, did they? No, that wasn't, that wasn't pre-planned, I can promise you. But if we're going to see God move in this day, I believe we got to let him have his way. And his ways are past our ways, amen? They're far beyond finding out, amen? But I have an ex expectation tonight. Genesis chapter 22, we're going to begin in verse number 1, read a couple of scripture here. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his ass, and he took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place which God had told him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to come to your house. We thank you for your word. God, we just ask you, Lord, that you would speak to us tonight. God, that you'd bring your word to life. God, that you would speak life into the hearts and lives of the people gathered here tonight. God, help us, Lord, not to leave here the way that we came. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd hide me behind the cross. Lord, anoint me to preach. God, anoint my mind clarity. God, anoint me to have the words to say that you would have me to say. God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint the ears to hear that which you'd say into the church tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd have your will in your way in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Help me out a little bit tonight. Amen. Amen. A lot of preachers say if you help them, they'll preach shorter. I don't believe them, but maybe if you help me, I might preach shorter. I don't know if I'd believe me either, but amen. I don't think we'll be keep you too long in the message tonight. Pray that we get to these altars. Amen. But I want to talk to you for just a moment tonight on this thought, the battle of surrender. The battle of surrender. As I begin to think about this this afternoon, my mind goes back to those that I've seen uh, in my lifetime who have, you know, been sick and fought and, and, and even those that have been on their deathbed and they've fought so hard to live. 
and I've seen their bodies as they struggle for, for breaths and that they hold on every minute wanting to give up. They're holding on. They're fighting for life. They're fighting to live. And, and, and they're just, their body is tired. They're weak. But in their mind, they're, they're, they've got a fight in them. Their heart is fighting. Amen? They've got, some, they got an unction in them that wants to hold on and believe for hope, believe that, that they can just keep breathing, they can just keep taking in a breath, keep exhaling. If that heart, can, heart could keep pumping blood, they could just keep going. They can hang on for just a little bit longer. You know, I think of um, Brother French. Many of you know him. They've come and done kids' crusades here years and years ago. Um, but I, I, I kept up through his journey of, and, or his battle with cancer through uh, things and various things that his wife posts. But I'll never forget that after he passed, his wife made a post in one of her posts talking about him. And she made a comment that I'll never forget. She said, I, you fought so hard to live. You fought so hard to live. And it may, it may not be exact. It may even been uh, uh, to the effect of I've never seen anyone fight harder to live than you. But there was a fight there. There was something in him that wanted to keep going on, to keep pressing on for his family, to keep fighting for life. <coughs> I believe for most everyone it comes natural to us. That I believe that there's a natural ability within us to arise to the occasion and fight. I think of my human nature, my instinct. What comes natural to me is, you know, anytime there's conflict or unusual circumstances that arise, anytime danger seems near or the thought of it might think this to, to fight, to defend, to protect, and to hold on to. And many of you can agree tonight. Amen? I believe every man in here would do anything and everything that he could to protect his family. Every mother would do what is necessary to protect their children from danger. Most of us in this room would do, would do what we could to protect what is ours. Amen? I think there would be something wrong if we didn't. That's why we have locks on our doors. We have keys to the car. We have garages. We have sheds. We have fences and gates around things to keep what is ours, to protect what is valuable to us. There's no doubt that in these qualities are something that God has given us I believe these qualities are something that God has given us and that for the most part, for our good. I do believe that we can be so protective, so defensive of what's ours that we can even be that way with God. Sometimes we talk much about the fight, but tonight I want to expound on the surrender. Ecclesiastes says that in everything there is a season. Ecclesiastes 3 and 4 through 8 says it's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to rend, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, and a time of war in a time of peace. There's time and place for everything, and we as a child of God must look to the Father to know the time for each one. I read a quote one time. It said, a student once asked his master, you teach me fighting, but you talk about peace. How do you reconcile the two? The master replied, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. 
I know that's a secular phrase tonight, but I believe there's much spiritual emphasis that you could gather from that quote. I would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And I believe that God's preparing us today. I believe God's got something for us today. He's got something for us to fight for. He's got something for us to defend. He's got something for us to proclaim. He's got a work for us to do. But tonight I want to expound on what he has for us to surrender. We read in our text, I'm sorry, got ahead of myself. Many of us have come to the place where we have wrestled with God on what he has placed his finger on. We're so accustomed to fighting for what's ours, our family, our possessions, our rights, our time, that we automatically become defensive with God. We read in our text about Abraham was put to the test of all tests. Abraham's faith, commitment to God were shaken to their very core. He was asked to do things that were completely contrary to common sense and the natural mind. In Genesis 22 and 2, he said, and he said, take thy son, thy only son, thy only son. That means that it, it, you look that up in Strong's, it says a life not to be replaced, unique, the only one, the only begotten son. It's the same that was used um, when he said God gave, in the book of John, when God gave his only begotten son. We all know that Abraham had Ishmael, but God said, Isaac, thy only son, the son of promise, the son that I gave you, not that your flesh gave you, but the son that I gave you. Take your only son, the one that can't be replaced, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah and offer there a burnt offering upon the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham, in uh, verses number 6 through 12, it says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand, and, and he went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a land for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and he laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him upon the altar, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse number 11, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seest that thou hast withheld, not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham has been called to do the unimaginable. The Lord asked him to sacrifice his son, his only son, the son of promise. He was asked to go against his fatherly love, and all and, and, and lifelong hope. We we those you may know the story in the book of Genesis of how God had called Abraham out of the earth and he said, Get thee out of thy land and, and out of the land of thy kindred and go into a place I've called you. So he called him into a life of faith. He called Abraham out. And he said, I want, I want to call you out of everything that you know, everything that's familiar with you, everything that you love, your family, everything that you've known. Abraham was 75 years old, and God calls him out. 
And in, in, in the footnotes of my Bible, it talks about that, that God had to get him away from everything that would hold him back from what God had for him. Just, just like he did. Sorry, my mind went blank. I hate when that happens. But he had to call him away from everything that he knew so that God could do a work in him. He had to separate him. And he had to bring him to a place where he had a life of faith. He said, go into the land that I will show you. He didn't tell him where to go. He said, come out and I will show you. Follow my command and then I'll give you the promise. He also told him at 75 years old, he said, I'm going to give you, you're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to have a seed. You're going to give you as, as many as the stars in the sky. That's how many of your seed's going to be. But yet he's childless. He has no child. So we find that Abraham had a life of faith from the time that he was called out at 75. Here he is. He had a son at 100 years old. And now we don't, we're not sure how old Isaac is here. I, I didn't look that far into it. And that's irrelevant. But now we hear some year, years later, he's well over 100. And God's asking him to lay his son down on the altar. He's asking him to sacrifice his son. So we know for sure that he believed God for 25 years for this son. And now he's had this son forever. How many years it is that we come to our text. So he's been believing God for a long time for this promise. And now here we find God's asking him to give it up. God's asking him to lay it down on the altar, the son of promise. Everything that I've lived my life for, I gave up the land of my kindred. I come out, I'll follow I've gone where you've told me to go. I've obeyed your, your commands. I've, I'm looking for your promises. And now you're asking me to kill it. He asked him to do the unimaginable. I mean, Isaac was the promised son. Everything in Abraham's life is wrapped up in Isaac. Everything. Without Isaac, how could the promises of God be fulfilled? Can you imagine all the things that's running through Abraham's mind? Do you think that he consulted with Sarah? Not on your life. He's not going to tell mama that he's taking that boy to lay him down on the altar and put a knife in him. No, he didn't consult her. He didn't talk to her about it. He wouldn't have made it out of that house with her baby. God did not desire the physical death of Isaac. He wanted to test Abraham's commitment to him. God wanted Abraham. God wanted to know that he feared God above anything else. Tonight, I can't help but think and help to believe that we all have a few Isaacs that God's calling us to lay down. There are things that are out of our control and beyond us finding out. Romans eleven thirty three. 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And his ways past finding out. There are circumstances, situations, feelings, worries, regrets, sin, shame, fears that God's asking you to lay down tonight. I believe there are some here that have been, that, that God's been tugging on your heart for some time now to lay this thing down at the altar, but you're fighting to hold on to it. You've said over and over that I got this, I'll make it. But yet here you are, thirsting and longing for relief. Many of us never see the ram in the bush because we don't get close enough to the surrender. Amen?
get to that verse here. Bear with me for just a moment. I'm not going to hold you up with that. It's not cooperating with me. But there's a ram in the bush, and God says, don't, don't harm the lad. And he looks up from the altar, and he sees the ram. Many of us don't see the ram because we don't get close enough to our surrender. What does that mean? Many of us hold on to the things God's asking us to let go of because we don't see how they would work out if we relinquish the control. We think if we let go of a situation, then there's no hope. Many times your place of provision will only be seen from the altar. How many times is that true? That no matter how many times we try to do it within ourselves, no, no matter how hard we try, everything that we do, everything that we put our hand to, everything that we try to figure out, and it just leaves us helpless, hopeless, and sad. Many times our place of provision will only be seen from the altar. When we try to orchestrate, plan, manipulate the outcome, it often leaves us tired, weary, troubled, overwhelmed, helpless, hopeless. As the musicians come, I'm finishing up, but I love what Abraham did here. God spoke and he obeyed. God spoke. He said, get up. I want you to offer him on a as a sacrifice. And he got up and he went. It was simple. He didn't try to figure it out. He didn't reason within himself. He didn't negotiate with God. He didn't consult with Sarah to find out what she thought, the interpretation of what God said. I believe that this instant obedience comes from his previous experiences of his life. I believe they come from the experience that he had with Ishmael. When he tried to help God out on his plan, he told him, I'm going to give you a seed. And him and Sarah tried to orchestrate a plan, and they tried to figure it out. And now he's, he's, he's dealing with that, that, uh, that consequence right now. I believe that time when he passed Sarah off as his wife in Egypt, and he, you know that caused trouble for him there. I believe he's realizing, if I just obey God, I save myself a lot of trouble. Amen? If I just obey what God says, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what his plan is. I don't know what he's going to do. But if I'll just listen and I'll just obey, I believe he's going to provide. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what I'm going to tell Sarah when I get back home without her boy. But I know that God's got a purpose and a plan in it. And if I'll just obey, it's going to work out. Instant obedience. We can continue to battle with surrender tonight, or we can just let go and let God have his way. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 11, we, talk, we read about Moses and how the children of Israel battled Amalek. In verse number 11, it says, And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat there on, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the one on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomforted Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. 
The holding up of Moses' hands was a sign of complete surrender. Not to the enemy, but to God. The Bible says when his hands were down, Amalek prevailed. But when his hands were up, the children of Israel prevailed. We got to put our hands up tonight. We have to surrender. Child of God, you can hold on to your Isaac, but fair warning, as long as you do, the enemy will prevail. There are moments of surrender where you find glimpses of hope, but it won't be until your hands are stayed up in complete surrender that you will find absolute victory. As I began to put this together, I was thinking about it, and and honest with you, the, the thought come to me as I was coming to the church after lunch to prepare for, the, for, prepare for tonight of the battle of surrender. I'd never heard this term before, and, and, but I thought of a few different titles, but this one really just stuck. I believe God spoke it in my heart and in my spirit. And I just Googled it just to see kind of if it made sense, the wording and, and stuff, just to see. And unbeknownst to me, there was a battle of surrender or something that they tagged as the battle of surrender in the Civil War. And I found this quote that popped up in my search, and it's the surrender of the Confederate general to the Union Army. And as I begin to read these words, I just begin to think as a child of God how, how, how so true it is if we would come and just say this to God and we would give it to Him in complete surrender and we would realize that only by His power and His might can we make it. He said, compelled to yield, I'm compelled to yield to the overwhelming numbers and resources. I'm compelled to yield to God tonight because he has overwhelming numbers and resources beyond me. He said that and continuing to combat would be a useless sacrifice of those past services, those who have endeared them to their countrymen. If you continue to fight tonight in your own strength, child of God, it will be a useless sacrifice. But I compel you tonight that you come and surrender to the overwhelming number, the overwhelming resources of God your Father tonight. No matter what it is, whatever situation, whatever battle you're facing, God's here to meet you tonight. If we'll surrender it all, He can help you. He could show you the way. It's only when our hands are lifted in surrender that we're going to prevail. It's only when we surrender it all to God that we're going to win the battle, folks. God didn't call us to fight everything. There's some things he called to give it to him. Amen? I want to open these altars tonight. If you would stand. I don't think this is anything so profound or you know but it, it just struck me 
And honestly, it just began to come out as I was typing. But it's just something that I want to hold on to in my mind and in my heart. When I'm going through the battle, when I'm going through something that I can't see the way out, I can't see how God's going to do it, I can't see the provision. If I can remember that many times our place of provision will only be seen from the altar. It's the altar that we need, folks. It's in this altar that we'll find a way. We'll find out how God's going to make a way in the wilderness. Amen? How He's going to help us. If you want God to help you tonight, if you want to lay something down, something He's been tugging on your heart, if you have something God's been dealing with you about, a situation He's been saying, give it to me. Let me handle it. Stop trying to do this. Stop trying to do this in your strength. Stop trying to handle this on your own. Stop trying to figure this out. Let go and give it to him. Man, find you a place to pray tonight. Open these altars to you.
Give myself. 